0: Hey, listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up to date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas, like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash giftfinder to shop. That's Macy's dot com slash giftfinder today.
1: This is the run through. I'm Chloe Mal. And I'm Cho and it's Week. Oh, Cho, and- I'm so excited to hear about your big <laughs> your big trip. My my very short whirlwind trip of Couture Week <laughs> yeah. in one day. <laughs> <laughs> so today on the show, I got to speak to designer Simone Rocha. Is obviously the woman of the moment. She's a guest designer for Jean Paul Gaultier's Haute Couture show, which was on Wednesday. And I got to speak to her like in the countdown, so like twelve yeah. days before the big show. But she was very ready and relaxed, and I'm obsessed with her, and I'm just. I'm just sad I didn't get to be there in person, but um, we had to well, Because such now a nice you're chat. back
0: in London, but you yes, were. Yes, now I'm
1: back in London. Yes, yeah, but I was. I was. In Paris. And tell I us everything.
0: There. We are joined today by Vogue Runway's Nicole Phelps. Hi, Nicole. Hi. And we want to hear Choma's yeah. Diary from Baby's first,
1: <laughs> first Couture Week. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting because um, I actually got to preview a couple of, of shows. And that to me is always kind of super fascinating because you get to see people's process and where they're at and you you get and with couture more than anything you want to be so close to the clothes right, right. so I got to sort of touch and feel things and so I was in the studio of Maria Grazia which was really exciting at Dior and also I went to visit a Virginie at Chanel whose collection I really loved so I mean to be honest like they are still working on those things like it isn't You'd be surprised. You think it's going to be all done, but like there's finishing touches that need to be made. I know it's something that Nicole that like, you often do, but um, it's not something I I always I always do. So that was that was very exciting for me.
2: I thought uh, all of those collections that you mentioned were were really beautiful, and yeah. uh, Chanel especially. I think uh, the payoff is when you see those pieces up close. Asiel, uh shot shot backstage at Chanel and just to see the, you know, the embroidery um, on those pieces. And they look obviously very, very worked, but also really light, which I think is one of Chanel's fortes, right? This this sort yeah. of lightness.
0: And Asiel is our street style
2: photographer. Yes, she shoots street style and backstage for us.
1: Got it. For me, Chanel just had, like you said, this lightness to couture, which I wasn't Anticipating, I always imagined it to be quite, you know, heavy just because of the intricacy. But you, you looked up close to some of the lace, and it was just like it was so frothy and 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 light. It was beautiful. It was like air. Sounds like it I love No, but it did feel like that. It was. Mm. It did. It felt like that, and. And I like that sort of dancer spirit. I love that Margaret quayle opened the show and... And what about the Kendrick Lamar element?
2: Kendrick Lamar and Dave Free collaborated with Virginie Viard on the set and also made a movie that started the the Chanel show. Yeah, I, I
1: remember seeing the movie before that it just came through my feed and I'm a big a Dave Free fan and um, I've loved all of the, the things that him and Kendrick have collaborated on. I went to see... Kendrick in concert and the set is just like something out of another world. It's so considered, so smart, so um, imaginative and fresh and cool. So I was quite excited when I saw that Virginie had chosen to work with them because Mm -hmm. I think it was quite a, a different choice for them. The film itself was really whimsical and fun and felt very Chanel in a way that I thought was really fun too, to have that Guest star from Naomi Campbell was really sweet too. It was all revolving around this idea of a lost button, and oh, it was wow. like a mini. I haven't this
2: yet. It is yeah, it, you should. It's very sweet. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Tiziana Cardini, our contributor, because she interviewed Kendrick and Dave after the show. And what was so interesting to. Tis- Uh, to read is how passionate they are about fashion and how much fun it sounded like they had working on the the Chanel project. And I just get the sense that they have a lot of ambitions in the fashion space. I want to know, Chum, I know you weren't
0: in the room for Simone at uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier, but I do feel like this has been the moment everyone's been talking about. And I actually haven't looked at the whole collection yet, but I did see the beauty moments and they were spectacular, sort of beaded eyebrows and uh, eyelashes. And it just felt extremely, it was like Simone, but turned up to a huge wattage. What did both of you think of
2: it? Was it the debut we all anticipated? Yes. I quickly looked at the pictures before this and I think it's totally beautiful. Just mm-hmm. a real romantic collection and uh, a real beautiful, uh, successful merger of their of their two aesthetics. Don't you think?
1: Oh, absolutely! I'm totally in love with it. And we talked a bit about some of her references and ro- you know her love of roses. And she recreated um, these 3D aluminum roses. Um, I talk more about it in my conversation with her. But I also love just this, this, the kind of her reimagining of stripes like and and the nautical theme it was so um I don't know it just it was just it was just so fun I'm sad I wasn't in the room and you know she really has she really has a, tr- a tribe and I'm glad that you mentioned the beauty elements because those those things are the kind of things that people can recreate you know like her love of bows and pearls and yeah. embellishments in the hair is it's things that like young women who follow the brand and uh, you know and there are so there are legion legions of these of these women and it's kind of great that they get to recreate this too because i think that the beauty looks are going to be just uh, are something that will live on uh, you know as well as these amazing one-of-a-kind pieces that like only a really handful of people will be able to experience you know
2: yeah it really feels like this Gautier project is one of the most exciting things that's happening in fashion. Can you tell people what it is exactly if they don't know? Well, Gautier is a couturier and designer who has been, you know, working in in Paris since the, since the 80s. And uh, a few years ago, he wound down his um, ready-to-wear, and uh, the brand uh, now exists as a couture house. And since Gautier, I guess you could say, he's sort of traditional retirement age in France, he invites different designers from uh, not just from Paris, but um, from, from outside of Paris, obviously. Uh, Simone is based in London to interpret his collections. It's a fairly unique
0: setup, and it's cool that he's done it. Paco Rabanne did it, or Julian de Sena did it last time.
2: Yes, and Heider Ackerman did it uh, a year ago, and that was an incredible collection. And mm. uh, I guess it's just—it's so interesting to see how, uh, like, one man's, like, life work can be reinterpreted yeah. and reimagined in so many different ways because the designers that have been chosen are really different. I mean, Yeah, Laird no-
0: is doing a comparison piece of the— original Gautier pieces that sort of inspired Simone. And she was showing me just a couple of them. And th- it's really beautiful and kind of amazing to see how those speak to each other.
1: Yeah, and I think what what I found fascinating in my conversation with Simone was that um, he doesn't see any of it until the day of the collection. So he, he's completely surprised. So he it must oh, be wow, like such a right. delight to just sit down and enjoy it as he gives them complete control, there's not, it's, there's no intervention from his part, and he doesn't even have a preview. He literally goes in, sits down, and sees it on the day, which I think is sort of so, like shows how much he delights in other people's vision and yeah. trusts that, like is is ready to be to to see how his archive and his work can be reinterpreted.
0: And then, uh, Choma, I feel like Scaparelli is always the big star-studded oh, yeah. moment to open up. What, what was that like? What was the motherboard dress like in
1: person? So here's the thing. I've never been to couture show, so this was my first. And so I was a bit like first day of school nervous because I didn't know what the etiquette was. I don't know if people show up early. Do they show on time? Like, What do you what wear? Do, do you, you dress do?
0: differently than ready to wear?
1: No, I didn't dress differently. I, you know, I just t- tried to look a little bit more grown up, Lady a little likes. bit less scruffy than I normally do. <laughs> I definitely rocked up in like some Chanel, like, you know, like my Chanel slingbacks, you know, and um, <laughs> my, my Phoebe Philo <laughs> pants trousers that are getting their wears. <gasps> I was quite surprised at how subdued it was. And I don't know if this is uncharacteristic for that show, but it was, it was quite, I got there a little bit early because I was nervous mm. and it was very subdued outside. And even when you had like the whole celebrity, um, you know, moment happen with, with JLo and Hunter Schaefer and Zendaya, you know, I think they were even kind of surprised that it was quite seamless for them for their, their entrance was quite, um, it was quite kind of quiet inside. And maybe that's, that's just couture because it's like so ultra civilized. We'll talk about the the celebrities I spotted later because obviously I had a Rihanna sighting. Oh, I, tell us everything. Did she give you a huge hug? She didn't see me. I was oh, quite no. disappointed. <laughs> but you know that there, we'll, we'll, there'll be another Rihanna sighting in in in, in my future. But um, Scaparelli, the 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 drama of it all, like there's so much drama in those dresses, and I'm maybe because I've never been to a couture show, I was kind of like, oh, like this is quite. With it, th- this is this is quite this is this is very intense like intense and dramatic and like fashion capital F and I think seeing the Robo Baby, <laughs> which was that look was a um, inspired by um, Sigourney Weaver, um, so in an Alien and that was actually my favorite look. I loved. I mean, obviously, I love the, the 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 kind of dresses, but for me, like seeing those beautiful. Uh, just a really kind of simple, I think they were like white silk kind of cargo pants with these different embellishments and a a tank top. And then her carrying this robot baby. I I was like, that's my, that's my look. Like if I'm going to be like, you know, and I thought it was interesting that he used a motherboard for obviously to, to decorate those pieces and this whole, um, do you discussion think that was actual computer? Or do you... Oh, it was. You could see it. Okay. And the, and the beauty was quite stunning. I know. I mean, I thought um, Carly Kloss and um, uh, Irina Shayk looked quite, you know, you, could, you couldn't you could really recognize them. They're so stripped back and there's no very kind of like an AI transformation, like no eyebrows and very kind of like highly glossy skin. It was the People lion's head of, talking, of La- this year. Yeah. I mean, famously, Frank Ocean brought a robot baby to the Met. Oh, that's true. So we have, we have seen some robots. It's not the first robot baby in like, you know, recent memory, but it was a really beautiful one.
2: What would you <laughs> very, very what her. would you nominate for uh, for the for the red carpet at the Oscars? What do you think? Which dresses oh, did you that's see? A good,
1: good question. That's a good. That's a good question. OK, I mean, I'll start with dior because there was this beautiful and i'm not sure if it was velvet but it was actually the silhouette was quite different from the other kind of like wasp waisted um dresses but it was draped across the it was almost like a column uh, and 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 it was this um it was this golden yellow um i think velvet and it was slightly asymmetric like mm. draped very grecian i'd love to see that on the red carpet cuz it didn't it had like this way that it just skimmed the body in a way that I love. Cause I think we have been seeing a lot of return to the hourglass. Actually, I think it kicked off with the, the globes. You no, know? we saw so many yeah. of those hourglass dresses and I kind of like something a bit but, but more louche, a little bit more um, fluid. So I, I love, I nominate that dress. I, I hope we see it, but I can also see the other, the other dresses there too. And I hope someone wears some of those Chanel looks. They're so, so like fun, you know, like with the with the tool and the. I can see someone wearing. I want um, um,
0: Rosman Pike in the Simone Rocha.
2: Oh my god! Oh, Pike
1: in the Simone, good, cool.
2: What do you want to see, Nicole? Uh, I loved Natasha Poly's dress at Scaparelli. Uh, it was oh. one of the more subdued ones, black, okay. strapless, with lots of beading and sort of p- a little bit of a pannier action at the hips on the sides. To me, that was magnificent. I I love that dress.
1: Oh, and the way that she moved in it was quite incredible. Yeah, it, it looked so great coming down the runway. I didn't go, but and it's not couture, but Alia also shows, um, and I love the color. Oh yeah, Alia. Like people are always excited fringing. about fringing. Yeah, people are excited about and Peter Moulier. Yeah, what, what did you make of the show, Nicole?
2: I'm a big fan of Peter's. Uh, I wasn't there, obviously, but have been paying attention online. And uh, he talked a lot about using just one material. So apparently the whole collection was made with merino wool in different kinds wow. of textures. Wow. And it's cool to give yourself uh, and your atelier a challenge like that, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. at a at a house that's known for evening look sexy evening to do all of that in in merino wool is surprising but then on you know on the other hand Elia is famous for for its knits but you know it's cool when a designer sets themselves a challenge yeah anything else i'm still
1: catching up on oscar movies i finally watched um anatomy of a fall i need and it, to see it oh my god <laughs> It's living in every cell of my body. I, rem- ah. I remember why <laughs> I, th- I like French movies, like why <laughs> I like that sort of realism and like emotionally charged. Well, like- Justine Trier did Ooh. very well with her Oscar nom, so oh, the
0: Academy God. agrees with you. Oscar nominations came out on Tuesday, as we know, and people have been extremely activated over um, – Barbie not being nominated for more things. We had an interesting conversation this morning in our stand-up about how there's all this chatter about how Margot Robbie wasn't nominated and Barbie got, you know, shafted. And um, Laya brought up, she said, America Ferreira was nominated and no one's really acknowledging that. And it's Mm. not really fair. I mean, Barbie did get its due. It just wasn't Margot Robbie or Greta Gerwig. So anyway, uh, I thought there's different takes to... The idea of a snub and um Oppenheimer blew. Everyone out of the park yeah. with thirteen oh. nominations. And I don't know
1: if I want to watch it. Yeah, you haven't seen it. No. Oh my I'm god! I'm holding out. I have, I have to do Killers of the Flower Moon. I have to do Poor Things. But let me just say, everybody watch out of a Fall.
0: It's living oh in every cell of trauma's body. <laughs> the
1: the oh fight god. scene. Ooh. The fight scene at the end. I felt like, you know, when you, you you're you're having like dinner with a friend and then, you know, they're a husband and wife couple and they have a row and you're caught in it and you wanna exit and you can't leave. That was that how was how I felt. I was like, it was so good.
2: They had a Honestly. lot of pent up anger at each other. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, Decades. I mean it definitely was a moment of great Greta's not getting maybe their due. Greta yeah. Lee also was not nominated, which that I am most upset about because I just wow. loved that movie. Me so too. Much. That yeah. was my movie of the year. Me too.
1: Oh yeah, that was my movie of the year. Past Although, lives, just yeah. reminding people who haven't oh, heard us talking yeah, about that was it incessantly. So
2: good.
0: Wait, so, Nicole, we're done with couture this week. What, what's next on the docket? Uh,
2: two weeks till the official start of New York Fashion Week. But okay. we have Marc Jacobs showing next Friday on February 2nd.
0: The run-through will be back in just a moment.
2: I'm Celeste and I'm here with Jade and Emily, and we are so excited to announce our new show After Hours. We're three female founders who became friends through, well, trauma bonding over entrepreneurship. These days, we come together after work to discuss the highs, lows, and hilarious moments we all experience as we build our companies in our 20s as first-time founders. We're dishing advice, spilling secrets we wish we knew so you don't have to make the same mistakes we did, oversharing in the best ways, giving our legal teams anxiety, and peeling back the curtains behind startup life. So close your computers, we know it's hard, and pour yourself a glass of something, because After Hours is now in session.
0: Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and a luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. And we're back. Choma, you had a chance to speak to Simone Rocha right before her couture show for Jean-Paul Gaultier. You guys are old friends. I loved listening to this interview because I feel like both of your voices were like ASMR. Um, (laughs) She has these like dulcet (laughs) Irish uh, tones. It's
1: always such a pleasure to sit down with her because, you know, besides being someone I um, really respect as a designer, like she's just a fab friend and and really down to earth. And and I love that she like showed up with a look just for me, and it was it was really giving. And I and I showed up in sweatpants, so I wasn't giving. But you know, I'll I'll, I'll do better next time. You'll you'll wear Simone Rocha Couture next time. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll be like Simone, I made an effort. She looks so cute. She looked just so cute. So, um, yeah, well, Simone. Can't Simone wait for forever. everyone to her. hear it. <laughs> Simone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's so good to see you. I was trying to rack my brain of the first time that we met. Do you, do you remember? <gasps> I think I remember when it was, but we've, oh. we've known each other for, for quite a while. So I had to go
3: back quite a long y- way. Years. Years. Oh, no, I can't remember. What's your memory?
1: I So, spark. so here's, here's my memory. So obviously I'd heard a lot about Simone. Simone Rocha's <laughs> reputation preceded her. She was at the time a, a young designer. Still a young designer. What am I talking about? <laughs> I'm still young baby, Baby, young, <laughs> baby young designer. And there were these things called the London Showrooms, this mm-hmm. kind of event that Sarah Moa and the BFC, British exactly. Fashion Council, put together. And they kind of did a global tour and they landed in New York.
3: Oh, and where we At in... the Soho House?
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: Upstairs.
1: Upstairs.
3: And we all have like... A rail (laughs) in this, like, bedroom and, like, someone would get the bedroom. I know. Maybe. I don't know, did someone get the bathroom? You know, we were all dotted around. I remember. Yes. And all I
1: remember is there were at least maybe eight or nine designers. I only remember you. Oh,
3: no. Me, too. I can't remember anyone. (laughs) I can't remember
1: anyone who was there. I just remember being uh, totally enchanted. And here we are. Um, many many (laughs) collections later two two babies on your side I know (laughs) know, who are adorable one who is two and a half and a a street star star (laughs) and I've seen the pictures and congratulations you are now the guest designer for Jean-Paul Gaultier Couture so you're going to be showing your first couture collection which I am ecstatic about how do you feel I'm
3: actually, I'm also ecstatic. <laughs>
1: yeah. Good. I am. Well, you I'm look there. fab. I mean, you're wearing one of your gorgeous. Which collection is this?
3: This was from Baby Teeth. It was actually the first show that was after COVID. It was my uh, first back in person show. Right. Yeah, we call this a smudge flower. And oh, it's a taphita, It's gorgeous. Um, kind of version of an oversized uh, baby smock. I know you love colour, Chum. So uh, I, was I like, so you did this for me? Well, I was like, maybe today I'll wear some colour for Chum. <laughs> <laughs> but you look fab. You Thank look you. absolutely fab. Honestly, I'm so excited. The last nearly six months I've been between here and Paris. So I've been there pretty much every week wow. working with the atelier. Uh, so then I was there yesterday and all the, all the pieces are now becoming reality, which is mm. incredible. But obviously with Haute Couture, it's it's very, very disciplined. It's very, very focused. It's very, very labour intensive. Mm-hmm. So between these next 12 days, it'll be all hands on deck. What was the starting point for this collection and how long has this been in the works? I was invited to be the guest kind of last summer we were discussing. So then in July, I'd agreed to do it and was really excited, started thinking about the archive, started thinking about Gautier itself, himself, and then I was working with the Atelier from kind of late August, September. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of so
1: curious about the Venn diagram between you and Jean-Paul Gaultier and like where where you see kind of synergies or what mm. what, what parts of the archive you were attracted to and, and also just about doing couture for the first time and what that was like.
3: For me, like it was more than like not really having... Everyone's like, what's the inspiration behind the collection? But it's actually... I almost feel like I had intention behind mm-hmm. the collection. And what I really wanted to do was to make something that was provocative, playful, beautiful, modern. And then thinking of Mr. Gauthier's world and then really finding the red line, I was kind of calling it, between the two. Mm. And really looking at his pieces that are incredibly feminine and fetishistic, and then harnessing that femininity and seeing what that looks like and then bringing kind of that provocativity into the idea of tailoring and breaking that down and mm-hmm. then also then contrasting that with the fact that it's haute couture and the, the exploration of technique. Mm-hmm. And those were kind of the, the elements that was kind of what the collection is essentially about.
1: Were there collection or touchstones within
3: like the Jean-Paul Gaultier universe that Kind of stuck out to you absolutely. it was incredible, actually, going through the archives, it almost felt like kind of analytical and kind of scientific. Mm. They'd come in on this truck in these wow. in these um in these big boxes this was in Paris or they'd come to you in Paris right. And, um, and they come in, they come in these big boxes. Some of them you're not even allowed to take out of the box. Really? Yeah. So it was kind of, a, it was amazing. And then there were other pieces that we could try on. Right. And I've always been a very kind of physical designer, mm. whether it's trying it on the model or draping the fabric directly onto the body or placing the embellishment on the body rather than kind of on a sketch. So I said, you know, can I work with the archive? So that was amazing. So I kind of did some fittings with the archives, see the pieces on and then almost playing with them, putting them on backwards and upside down and back to front and seeing what that did with this proportions. And so there were a few few pieces that I was really drawn to. Mm. Actually, the very first thing that completely took my breath away was in the atelier, all the busts of all the clients. Wow, I because, know. Cause yeah. it's so you're you're reminded that the, it's like a fingerprint,
1: isn't it? It's like everybody has a specific,
3: exactly made-to-measure.
1: It's, made to measure. it's
3: me- and it's something that I hadn't even not that I hadn't thought about, but it wasn't something that had registered in my like when I work and my shows. It's this kind of bigger narrative. So mm. I've just realized my dress is really crunchy. So it's probably <laughs> like the rustling that you're <laughs> hearing. Yeah. It's just it's just beautiful taffeta, yeah. guys. But the busts in the atelier were just incredible and seeing all these different shapes and sizes and I was like, wow, it's so individualistic. Mm. And I was like, it's really important that each look feels quite individualistic. Mm. And also that this idea of identity and it's a body and each one's its own character. Because right. like my own shows, I almost see it like one big story. And this is like, who are all the characters in it tell me about working with the atelier i mean
1: uh, what was it like working with them they're incredible mm.
3: yeah and the head of the atelier is still um, was monsieur Gauthier's head of atelier mm. and they're very very generous actually very uh, and it Le really not feels... that what they call exactly the couture exactly atelier um uh, all, all the all the people who work in the who work on the clothes themselves right? exactly and and they're given each look is given to a specific uh modiste and a specific wow. petty man and it's so it's kind of amazing it's back to that thing of it this idea of identity in each one's own person, mm. but incredibly generous of mm. spirit really and really generous of expertise mm. Myself and Monsieur Gautier were talking about it, and I was saying it's such a gift, and I was like, it's amazing. Like if I want to push and try different techniques, or ask them about historical techniques and how do we twist them, and I think it's amazing that they're so like generous with it. And he was like, of course, that's the point. Oh my
1: god, you do such a good impression (laughs) of him. I was going to say I always think of him as this kind of larger than life exuberant personality like what were your first conversations with him like what was your first impression and does he live up to that the image in my mind absolutely
3: he lives <laughs> up to that staying up at 11 30 to watch him on channel 4 on your trash it's in real life but <laughs> oh my god that was me too
1: that was me too oh my god did you see that that? iconic show i think iconic. those who know know it your trash was everything for those of our audience who don't no, Euro Trash. I'm very sorry for you. But <laughs> it was actually this kind of magazine format show um, that Gautier co-hosted. And it was like kind of pop culture-y and fashion. I used to stay up to watch that show. <laughs> but it was like a generation... I hope it's on YouTube. With... We should
3: rediscover it. Maybe. It might be. I actually, I haven't like obviously watched it in years. But yeah, that's like when you're younger. Was that like... your first memory of him? In a way I, I actually think the conical con- was the uh, conical was the first right. first thing that I was like. This right so... c con- that iconic
1: conical exactly. uh, um, lingerie bras. Like, exactly. That was famously worn by Madonna. Exactly. And I've
3: paid a little homage to it actually. Ooh, yeah, exciting. I would um, love to see that reinvented in your in your with your own I've always actually loved in my own collections adorning the bust. Mm. And I've always done lots of heavy embellishment around the bust and around um, you know With this collection, Baby Teeth, I was kind of playing with this idea of nursing bras and then being integrated into garments. So it's really nice to look at the bust with, like, the original icon. But no, he's a beautiful man. And it's it's incredible, actually. The whole concept is that he chooses the designer. Right. What did you
1: feel like when you got the call? I feel like it's like... I know, I was like... (laughs) That's so
3: exciting. It was really exciting. And, you know... I don't know any designer who wouldn't say it's their dream to show in Paris. Yeah. It really is a dream. Yeah. You know, but as a concept, he picks the guest mm-hmm. and then he doesn't actually want to know anything about it. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't That's want amazing. to know anything, doesn't see it. So, you, so he hasn't seen it? Nothing. I love this. I know. The first time he'll see it is sitting at the show how
1: fab but then yeah. you get a real surprise I love that he has that trust and he under respects the fact that you need to create in your own absolutely you know, in your own way is it
3: like he's a real designer and he said you know he wants to do it like this because he's like if I, I was the designer I don't want someone sitting on top of me telling me what to do <laughs> <laughs> and I was like nice <laughs> so yeah so he won't see it until the day <sighs>
1: I'm so obsessed with him. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: he's, yeah, he's, 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 yeah, very same, very, very generous of spirit. And yeah, lovely, lovely man.
1: Well, I've heard that you don't work with mood boards. I don't work with mood
3: boards. No. Yeah. I am, I, I love imagery and I collect imagery and I actually really enjoy researching, but I've always found it a little bit, uh, Formal, I did not formulaic, but it's just never expected. Been, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah. just never been something. that... Not I've, part of your process at all. Yeah, no. not really. Like with with with, I will circulate sometimes a body of images, right. or I will have like a selection of books that then I'll sit down with different members of the design team and pull out things from different books. But I never put like here's the mood board of the season. And even then, when the team, like when we then do a show and collection then we're getting ready to sell it and I've talked about everyone else it means that I have to explain it so maybe a mood board would be easier <laughs> but um, but yeah and for this definitely no mood boards this was very much trying to find the union of his his world and my world
1: how was your process different and was there anything that you learned about yourself
3: in doing this I learned to slow down, because <laughs> it's a much slower process. Yeah. and in ready-to-wear, you're trying to do a hundred things at the same so time. So, how long on average
1: does it? How Because we always hear about the hours that it takes to make a couture dress. Can you think of the one dress in the or look in the collection that you could name that took like how many hours on average, or or like, one that took really long to make or was sp- particularly in- intricate?
3: There's one specific dress. I mean, they all take ages. <laughs> Like I'll be fitting and it's not finished, and it goes back and goes back and i like, okay. So, like, so it it really takes like some of them. Some of them do take weeks.
1: I mean, it must be nice to be like, I would love this hand dyed. I mean, there are there are things that you can be like the. Mm-hmm. There are details and sort of exquisite, um, finishings that you can do with couture that you just exactly you can't do with ready to wear.
3: No, and it's something like even in my I've. I've always loved working with my hands Mm -hmm. and I've always, always been in, we always do a lot of embellishment, embroideries, hand knit, hand crochet. So it was also nice that things that I also felt in my world, I could really push them to their limits Mm. and really, you know, bring in this new energy into them. So it also ignited it all for me a little bit as well.
4: So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. With access to so much information, it's hard to feel like an informed, discerning citizen. That's why on Make Me Smart, which is a podcast from Marketplace, we make it easy for you to stay in the know. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl. Every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I unpack the latest from Washington, D.C.
0: The Senate minority leader has announced that he will step down as the Republican leader.
4: What's happening in AI? I I mean, don't buy at the top, but holy cow, artificial intelligence and all the companies related to it are the, the hot new thing. And we do. The numbers.
2: So as a refresher, inflation
0: is the rate of increase in the prices of things. It's not just sort of things
2: getting more expensive. It's a speed at which things get more expensive.
4: Because in a world that's constantly changing, we all need to stay smart. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The first time I met you, you were already incorporating these very kind of one-of-a-kind, handmade elements that are that kind of come from a different tradition, but have the same process as couture, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. In a sense. Yeah, yeah. And it, and this idea of it coming from the hand. Yeah. But it's been amazing to be able to really focus on that. Right. And then kind of twist that, like we kind of worked with some different techniques. That was really interesting. Were, were there any techniques that you felt like
1: oh you were using for the first time that were really exciting to you?
3: Um. Oh yeah. Definitely like one, one because one thing, like I was really interested in the idea of aluminium because it's so huh. iconic to Monsieur Gauthier that can. Yeah. So then I was like, How can I bring this into the collection? So we've kind of made these aluminium almost metal roses wow. as these kind of like pieces. And then, like, that, that was all a completely new process for me. And then also, treating some lace kind of dipped in it, it dipped in metal in. So it's all like in a workshop at the moment being all um, put together so it's almost like a cage Wow. and that's also kind of like relating to there's like I was playing with one of his collections which was had a kind of historical feel and it was looking at panniers from like uh, the age of enlightenment mm. so it's kind of like there's like little subtle nods to things and then there's things that I've really really paid homage to him like some hand painting from the Tatouage collection. Oh, I have collect- I have pieces I've collected from that collection. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there's a little nod to that as well. Excellent. So, yeah.
1: Were you a fan of his back then as far as his clothes? I'm trying to imagine what, what um, Baby Simone wore. Did you, did, did you own any of his pieces? Because so I think I've only ever seen you in your own, your yeah. own design. You're one of the few designers who literally I only ever see you in you.
3: <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I I'm know dedica- dedicated to the cause. It should. But, that's uh, the way it should be. What's the point of making clothes if yeah, you don't if you can't get don't exactly. get to wear them? It's it's the hi- It's a highlight. Um, <laughs> but actually, before I wore my own clothes. I used to wear my father's clothes. Oh, amazing. So my dad was a designer. Yes, John Rochelle. So, exactly. So I actually very much grew up in his studio in Dublin, in Ireland. And I would, so there's always like an out rail. And I would always raid the out rail. And like myself, well, as I inherited from him, my dad used to work a lot in volume. So he'd always do these big volume skirts. And my go-to was I would get the skirt and I'd hook it up and wear it above my bust under my arms. Love. And that was my look. So I'd wear, that was like what I used to wear. How and old I'd, were you at the time? This is when I was like 14, 15, 16, 17, that kind wow. of age. Have fun. Yeah, I was also obsessed with my school uniform. Um, So I would wear, it was like a pleated skirt, knee socks, brown jumper, brown skirt, red tie, white shirt. And I loved that as well. So I... Really enjoyed wearing that. I had the same size feet as my mom. And my mom, your
1: mom, might be the chicest person on the front row at all of your shows. Yeah, she always looks amazing.
3: Amazing, and she's incredible style, mm. incredible fashion art knowledge. And now we work together. Mm-hmm. And once my feet were her size, I would borrow her shoes. So I would always <laughs> wear either. Prada or Comme de Garçon brogues. Oh, love this I, look. With this huge tutu. <laughs> so that, that was like, that was me as a teenager. And then when I got to art college in Dublin, it evolved that I got obsessed with way. And then I was really into uh, vintage stores and flea markets. So I started buying Men's polo shirts in like XXXL. Ooh. So they were huge. And then I'd wear these really short tutus. Oh my underneath God, I love them. this look. Yeah. <laughs> and then like knee socks. And I used to, because I always had small feet, I'd buy vintage little glittery shoes oh, kind of thing. From your dad. So yeah, that was kind of my look. And <laughs> kind of still is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what an amazing look. I heard that you were three months old when you went to your first. I think so. Show. What's your actual first fashion memory? I mean, you grew up around fashion.
3: I have some very good show memories because ah. I would work at my dad's shows. So, like sometimes I'd be from out front, from the age of probably like sixteen. Like okay, I'd cool. be running around. So I'd be I I'd, I'd go and do the prep and I'd do all the fittings, uh-huh. castings, and then I would seat at the show. And then sometimes I'd be backstage. And I remember once. Um, Tying Alex Welk's shoes, and I mean, I was like, this "I is love amazing. Alex." Yeah, like oh some God. amazing. Like I had some like really fab moments like that.
1: I was thinking back on some of your collaborations, it's kind of iconic that you've gone from H and M to couture. Yeah, um,
4: and I your H and M
1: collection was <laughs> a sellout. You know, people were scrambling to get that collection, and I think one of the things that it reminded me was just how you know, how democratic like your silhouettes are and how it can be worn by so many different body types and people and um, just seeing how like your at that point, you your aesthetic had become so defined and it was so like you had a tribe at that point. Mm. What was the feeling of like having that global moment? Because I do think that those H&M collaborations resonate on a different level because people are, Queuing up to see God. them, they're scrambling to get them in different cities in the world. It kind of like you see so much more simmer on the street, and you see people interpret it in different ways. Like, what was that feeling like?
3: Yeah, it was amazing, and it was something that it was also mad because it was in lockdown. Oh, so, of course! So I forgot everyone about had that. to do it online. Oh <laughs> gosh! am so was like, ah! <laughs> but it, but it was addictive <laughs> because, like, even like this actually. I actually sound absolutely insane now but even to the point that I was like I'm like I had loads of it and i was like maybe maybe I can just buy another dress online <laughs> now for Valentine when she's 3 years older I'll get another size and I was like oh my god she's so like unhinged but it was it was um it was amazing because it was also very iconic I had pieces from Comme des Garçons H&M Margiela like, H&M. I still do honestly Marnie H&M yeah. like there were a few that were really like incredible and mm. I was that's when I was a student and I was mm. like aggressively looking for them but amazing pieces and I was like wow well, to get the opportunity to do that I would absolutely love to do it mm. and like yeah and it was for everybody.
1: You designed children's wear, which was obviously inspired, I imagine, by your your lovely daughters, yes. Valentine and Noah. Yeah. Like, let's talk a little bit about how they're you're seeing their style develop because I know that Noah is already, a, as I, I said, know. street star star in I the know. making.
3: <laughs> she's, she'll only wear her sunglasses upside down, and by the way, they look amazing. And I'm like, she's literally like, I'm oh in love today. I'm like, it's like you work in Balenciaga. <laughs> She's like wearing like, okay. But actually, H and M was even before my second daughter was born. Ah. So what we did for the children's was um, we kind of did little mini versions of SR, which mm-hmm. was really really cute. And but Valentine is much more. She's a little bit more tomboy. Right. Yeah. Um. And whereas Noah is much more. Baby, baby, Lynn vibes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and baby, baby, Lynn, we, by, by by, whom we mean Lynn Yeager, yeah. iconic fashion writer. Yeah.
3: Amazing lady.
1: Yeah. I mean, Lynn wears mostly your clothes. <laughs>
3: true, true. So it's, it's all very
1: symbiotic. <laughs> it's like this continuous circle, which is kind of fun. Thank you so much, and it was such a pleasure to have you on, and I cannot wait to see this collection.
3: Yeah, no, my pleasure. It's been so nice to be on. I know, and I was like, be serious. You're <laughs> going to go and talk about the And then I am like, it's show, I'm just going like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. No, very, very happy to be here. Aww. Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: And that's it for the show today.
0: This episode was produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. We had engineering support from James Yost and Jake Loomis, and it was mixed by Mike Kutchman.
1: Bye. We'll be back next week. (laughs)
4: Bye. We've all been there before. planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming.
2: Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point.
4: I'm Chris Morocco, Food Director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration. A kitchen with no space? A toddler who will only eat buttered pasta? Name your dinner emergency? We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now